Hey everybody, my name is Pastor John, and I'm so glad to see everybody here this morning. And I, hey, that picnic, by the way, if you didn't see the announcements earlier, if you're getting here a little late, love to see it, the picnic coming up uh, after church day. It's right down Hillfield Road, you just wrap around uh, past the Sam's Club, and it's uh, Ellison Park on your right-hand side, at just maybe, I don't know, a quarter mile past Sam's, half mile past Sam's there. So love to see you there, whether you've been coming to Alpine for years or this is your first day, come on out, grab a, a burger or a hot dog and just hang out with us for a little bit and let's have some fellowship to, together. Okay, so we are in uh, week three of our series. Oh, by the way, yes, Fusion Youth, that's our, our student a ministry, 7th through 12th grade. Head out to Fusion class right now if you haven't already done so. You can hang out in here if you'd like to and hear this message, but you're welcome to go and have a lot more fun with Austin if you want. Okay, so we are in our third week of our, our series. And there we go. Core values. How we do what we do. Core values. Oh, we're doing core values again. Yeah, well, we're doing them again. Well, pastor, that sounds a little... A little corporate. It sounds a little boardroom, like like it's like business acumen or something. What what are we doing learning about core values at church? Well, it all starts with something else we have common in common with uh, a successful business, and and that's a mission statement. And when you know it, long before corporations were sitting around formulating their mission statements, Jesus gave us one. He said Matthew twenty eight eighteen through twenty to go. And make disciples. And at Alpine, our mission statement captures the essence of the one Jesus gave us 2,000 years ago. Simply stated, our mission here at Alpine Church is to help people pursue God. So, back to this core value thing. Core values are simply how we go about carrying out our mission. For example, a professional sports franchise, right? Their mission is to win championships. Okay, so they value things like teamwork, positive mental attitude, uh, um, you know, uh, healthy lifestyle choices in the off-season and, and off the field, uh, fitness, and, and, and all that kind of good stuff. And those values help the organization accomplish their mission to win. So it's important that we have a game plan to understand how we achieve our mission as well. And by the way, you know, our, our values... We don't arrive at them at the same, the same way that a, a sports franchise or a corporation would arrive at theirs. We don't have the creative authority to come up with any old values that achieve our personal aspirations for the organization. Really, our entire mission and our values are tethered to, are anchored to, Holy Scripture. Really, value number one from week one, if you weren't here, which is we look to God and his word in all we do. In other words, we look to God and his word and all we do. Therefore, our mission, we help people pursue God. And then week two, we look to God and his word and all we do. Therefore, we work hard at healthy relationships. That's value number two. And then this week, we, work, we look to God's word, to God and his word and all we do. And therefore, value number three, actually value number four, but... We won't get into why we, we've skipped a value. We just like to keep you guys guessing. Here we go. The clicker's giving me a little buzz, so uh, maybe if I can get some help in the back, that would be good. Okay, so this week's value, we give up things we love for things we love more. This is kind of a catchy one, right? It's fun to say, but it's a lot harder to do because the bottom line, this value is all about sacrifice. And as Christians, 
when necessary, we ought to be willing to sacrifice our time, our finances, comfort, our personal preferences, you name it, up to and including our very lives, we should be able to give it all up that the gospel would go out. Why? Because the thing, the thing that we actually love more is people. Our goal is that as many people as possible would come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Which brings us to our first point. And another thing that we don't have in common with a sports franchise or a corporation. The church is one of the only organizations that exists for its non-members. Let's take a look at Amazon, for example. And I just I pick on them because they have this lofty mission statement. Okay, here it is. I looked it up. It, Amazon's mission statement is this. To be Earth's most customer-centric company. Give me a break. Earth's most customer... Okay, so they're not competing with Martians, I guess. But that aside, okay, if you're a customer of, of Amazon, which many of us probably are, right? Let's face it. Amazon is all about people on the inside. They're all about, at the end of the day making money for, for shareholders and, and, and benefiting their employees. I wouldn't expect a, a check in the mail, you know, from Jeff Bezos anytime soon, right? And what about sports franchises? How, I'm a Chicago guy, so how about those Cubbies? Anybody Cubs fans in here? One, okay. Well, the Cubs, right, there's this song. It, it goes like this, go Cubs, go, go Cubs, go. Hey, Chicago, what do you say the Cubs are going to win today? no. Not for over 100 years they didn't. Yeah, and you know what? The, the owners of the Cubs organization, my grandpa used to get so upset with this because they would fill that stadium up week after week after week after week, and he'd say, they've got the money. You know, if they, if they really cared about their fans, they would spend the money to keep some good ball players around long enough to win a championship in less than 100 years it took them, right? But the church is much different. We exist to deliver the good news, that, that salvation is a gift from God. A gift that anyone, even God's most vile enemy, may receive by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. The church is different because it does not exist for itself. We exist to be Christ's witnesses by the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, 8, verse 8. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. A noteworthy fact here, the word martyr is derived from the same Greek word in the scripture that we get the word witness from. You guys are thinking, oh boy, where's this going today? What's he going to ask me to do? <laughs> okay, of course though, all joking aside, many, countless believers have died witnessing to enemies of the cross, witnessing to enemies of Christ that they might be restored to him. So, we exist to reach those who are on the outside, just like we all once were. And Paul speaks to this attitude in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 33. He says, I, too, try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. All right, now this is interesting. If you were here a few weeks ago, we did this whole whole series in the book of Galatians. And in the book of Galatians, Paul was actually kind of confrontational. He was calling some people out when it came to uh, the true gospel message. 
And Paul literally says in the first book of Galatians that he's not about pleasing people, that, that really if his goal was to please others, he would not be a servant of Christ. Okay, but now he's saying, look, I want to please everyone. So, so which one is it, Paul? What's up? Well, in context, it's both. When it comes to this gospel message, Paul was absolutely resolved, unwilling to compromise, no matter how it offended some people. But when it comes to delivering the gospel message, he is absolutely willing to be flexible. He, he's willing to put his personal, his personal uh, tastes aside so that others would come to know him, that, so that more people might hear the gospel and be saved. Now, one of the things Paul says in a chapter earlier than this is that he, he becomes all things to all people so that by any means they may be saved. But this isn't an anything goes to connect with outsiders approach, all right? So, wives, if your husband is like, hey, honey, you know what? The, the fellas are getting together. There's going to be some hard drinking there. And, uh, and, and, you know, there might even be a gentleman's club involved. But it's okay, right? Because I'm going to be a witness for Christ. No, 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 no. Okay, that, that's not what Paul's talking about here. Okay, if you read the book of Corinthians, you will see that Paul is helping these believers learn how to navigate an, an extremely pagan culture in a God-honoring way in a way that would be at least offensive to the outsider, okay, but at the same time in a way that would not offend God. And we need to have this same heart and attitude that Paul had. So now, as, as we move forward, we're going to look at this, this uh, uh, principle from Paul, uh, the principle of sacrifice, from both a corporate and an individual perspective. From a corporate standpoint, in other words, how Sunday mornings look and, and feel, okay? How we do our gatherings on Sunday mornings together. You should know that at Alpine, our leadership and the pastors are very purposeful about how we organize and how we run our gatherings here in the building. We do it through the lens of not just what's best for us, but truly what is best for the outsider too. We think about those who need to come to know Jesus, who need the gospel. We think about those who need the love and forgiveness and the new life that only Jesus Christ can offer them. This means that when we come to church on a Sunday, we shouldn't expect that it's all about us. The lighting. Oh, by the way, if you're in the center, you notice it's a little dark today? We had a lighting issue <laughs> this morning, so I had to turn those lights off. It would have looked like a, a, a nightclub in here. It was like flashing, okay? So we're going to do that. But, you know, the lighting, the, the music, how we do communion, the new preacher who you're not too sure about yet, you know, give him a break, okay, I would say. We, we are called to be contributors not consumers on Sunday mornings. Now, switching gears, speaking now to our personal lives, we should have this same heart for outsiders, a lifestyle, an attitude, intentional about helping the people that God has put in our path pursue him. Essentially, we ought to partner with the mission and the values of the local body of believers that we belong to, in this case, Alpine Church. 
And that takes commitment. That takes sacrifice. Which leads us to our next point. We are willing to sacrifice what we think is best for us in order to give God's best to those around us. And we're going we're gonna to jump right to this next scripture in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 to drill down on this, on this point. Paul says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Paul is talking about putting others ahead of ourselves, not simply giving up bad things, but giving up good things for better things. And we can apply this here on Sundays and in our personal lives as well. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to do a fun little exercise together this morning. What's good versus what's better? All right, so here we go. What's good? Number one, long, deep sermons. Some of you are like, oh, I don't know how good that is. All right, what's better? Understandable sermons, right? Or how about this, Pastor? Just a sermon I'm not going to fall asleep to. That might be good. All right, so, look. These things are not necessarily mutually exclusive, okay? But the point is, is that Sundays are not about having a seminary lecture. At Alpine, a lot of work goes into clearly articulating God's word and the message of the gospel for a wide audience. And we expect you to go deeper. There's nothing wrong with going deep. But we're, really, we expect you to go deeper in, in your own personal lives, in your personal Bible studies, in your prayer time, and in community. We expect you to go deeper in your mentoring conversations when you meet with your fat families and, and with with those that, again, you've stepped out in faith to, to disciple. Deep is good. But the purpose of Sunday morning is more than just gaining knowledge and information. The purpose of Sunday morning is rather transformation and application. What I'm saying is that the deepest thing we can do as Christians is to demonstrate faithful obedience to Christ. You know, everybody loves going deep, loves getting that extra nugget of, of knowledge until they read Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. Like, I just want to hang out in the kiddie pool here. I wasn't ready to jump into the deep end. All right, moving on to the next one. What's good? Intent, this one's funny too. Intense worship times. What's better? Worship, that's not weird. All right, I laugh at this one a little bit because, you know, we can only mitigate the awkwardness of church so much. I mean, the definition of church is literally a gathering of believers, so it will always be a little bit weird to some extent. And I, I know that I'm probably guilty of making it a little bit weird for some of you in here. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But, but honestly, if you're, if you're a visitor, if you're, if you're new, if you're exploring the faith and uh, you're feeling a little bit weird, just know, you know, if you're feeling like, like, a, like a hot dog showing up for a corn dog party, okay, 
Something's just not quite right. Just know it's not you. It's us, right? And I, I contribute to this, right? Because I'm up here. I'm one of the hand raisers during worship time. And if you could see my face half the time, there's tears running down my face. And I was never like that before, actually. This has kind of been a new thing for me. And, and I'll, I'll, um, I'll point to the first value, which is we look to God and his word and all we do. And somewhere in there it talks about raising our hands in worship. But let me just say this. I understand that some of you might feel a little bit strange. Some of the Christians in here might feel a little bit a little bit strange when you got the, the hand raisers around you, right? So let's just have a little, uh, a little moment of truth between you and, and us right now. Anyone in here, if you feel a little bit strange when, when those people are raising their hands around you, I want you to go ahead and, and raise your hand right now, nice and high for me. Any of those? Okay, a couple. Okay, keep them up there, keep them up there. Now, anybody else who, who has ever felt weird about it, you know, raise your hand, but you do it now, Okay. All right, now, now the rest of you hand raises, raise your hands. Now everybody keep your hands up. Let's start the worship. Here we go. All right. See, it's not that bad. All right. At Alpine, we are mindful of the type of music we do, of the length of our, our worship time, for example, because the bottom line is we don't want to exercise our freedom to get our worship on, okay, at, at the expense of, or to the distraction of the gospel message going out. All right, on to the next one here. What's good? Passing an offering plate. It's, it's, it's okay. I think this is the first church I've ever been a part of that we don't pass an offering plate, right? What's better? Not passing an offering plate. I think it's, I think it's noteworthy, noteworthy here at Alpine that... You know, we, the church, models the same faith for God's provision to do ministry that we expect you to demonstrate for God's provision when you faithfully give to advance the gospel. I mean, passing a plate to, to quote-unquote, <laughs> encourage generosity can be a little weird, right? It, it can add pressure. It can make people feel uncomfortable. It can distract from the gospel. So we don't do it. All right, on to the next one here, the last one. What's good? Big event-driven ministry. What's better? Relationship-driven ministry. All right, now this one may ruffle a few people's feathers, okay? Um, I truly believe that in my lifetime that leadership in the church has really mitigated our fear of sharing Christ, of evangelism, of making disciples by marginalizing it to inviting someone to a big church event or a Sunday service. Nothing wrong with those things, okay? They're good. But here's, here's the real beef I have. When Jesus did outreach, he didn't say, okay, what you guys need to do is put your heads together and I want you to organize a real attractional event and then pow, I'll show up and slip the gospel in. No, when Jesus did outreach, they went out. He sent them out. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus sent the 12. Luke chapter 10, Jesus sent the 72. He sent them out to preach and to heal. He told them to bring no provisions, no food, no money, no extra clothing, no bouncy house to attract the young families, no dunk tank for the pastors. He said, I send you out as sheep among wolves. In other words, he put them in a position of complete vulnerability 
And they had no choice but to depend on him for protection, for provision, and for the power to carry out the mission. Jesus sent them out, and he sends us out as well. Big events have their place, but they do not remove our responsibility and the privilege to be his witnesses and to go and make disciples. All right, let me share some scriptures with you here that will do a good job of, of really wrapping up this last point and then, and then introducing our next one. Oh, here we go, yes, Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Let's cut loose every weight that would hold us back from running this race. What the author of Hebrews is saying here is that it's not only giving up sin, the bad stuff for the good stuff, it's also about giving up good for the better. All right, next verse, Hebrews 12, 2, right after one, obviously. He says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. How do we give up the things we love for the things we love more? By keeping our eyes on Jesus. What did Jesus do? He sacrificed, enduring the cross and the shame. Why did he do it? For the joy awaiting him the joy of restoring us to God for the joy in obedience to and relationship with the Father. Jesus endured the cross. Which brings us to our final point here. Jesus is the model for, for this core value of sacrifice. He gave up his life for something he loved even more, and that's us. Let's look at these next two scriptures here, side by side, very popular scriptures. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16, 1 John 3.16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. God the Father gave his Son. God the Son gave his life. Both have demonstrated this value of sacrifice for us. Now, corporately, I think this value is important, how we do church here on Sunday mornings. You know, in this consumer-driven culture, it's important for you to know Alpine's intent on a Sunday morning. And I hope it brings some purpose and some unity. And I hope you begin to think about practical ways to partner with us on our mission. Things like joining a service team, faithful faithful generosity, or, or even something as simple as giving up that close parking spot so that a visitor can have it on a Sunday morning. Now, on the personal side, I know this is much more difficult. It's much more difficult to identify ourselves with Jesus Monday through Saturday than it is on Sundays or at big church events. I know that church service events are a much safer place to express our faith in Christ. And I'm aware that what I'm challenging with is scary. I'm asking to put yourselves out there in a vulnerable way. Indeed, we are sheep 
among wolves. So let me close here with, with a little bit of a story, okay? So many of you know that we're, we're new to the area. came out here in November. This is a different area, right? Different than from, from where we were at in Chicago, different culture. And I was, I was struggling. I had, I had came up with all sorts of excuses why I couldn't engage people out here. You know, I didn't know what I was going to say. I'm not talking about in the four, you know, inside these four walls or at church events. I'm talking about outside, walking around in the world just like you guys do every day. And it was, it was gnawing at me. I, I knew God was challenging me to engage people with Christ, and I just, I was scared. That's the bottom line. I had all these excuses, and I was scared. So one morning, it, it had come to a point where I just decided that was it. I'm giving it up to you, God, in prayer. This was several weeks ago, and I just got up that morning and I said, Lord, I know you're asking me to do this, to engage people with the gospel, but, you know, I just, I just don't know how to do it. I can't do it. Lord, you're going to have to do it. I will be willing and available, but God, you're going to have to do it. And then I got up and I put my feet on the floor, and I forgot about it. This is on a Monday. The day goes by. We have some pastoral meetings that day. It's, I don't know, sometime in the afternoon. And I stop at my Monday stop for, for a, a Diet Coke. Okay, this is, I have an addiction. All right, that's another, another subject. All right, so I stop, I stop for my Diet Coke at the Sinclair up at the top of the hill because Monday's is 55-cent Diet Coke day. And I walk in there, and first thing I do is I head to the, the men's room and wouldn't you know it? I look down, and it looks like there's money on the floor. Okay, what is this? Is this like some kind of phony, funny money kind of thing or what? So I go down to pick it up. It's not only money. I'm holding it like this because, you know, COVID and everything. It's not only money, but Andrew Jackson is staring me right back in the face. It's a $20 bill, and it's, it's legit. So I go to I put it in my pocket. I'm like, wow, this is my lucky day. Throw it in my pocket. And immediately, I feel conviction from the Lord, and I remember the time I lost 10 bucks at a taco stand, and it still bothers me to this day, okay? And I'm like, all right, Lord. He said, well, you know, I hear the Lord say, why don't you poke your head around the corner and see if there's anybody that might have dropped that? Oh, okay, Lord. So I do it. I walk out, and there's, there's a guy. He's standing like this, with a, pop in his hand, with a cup in his hand, staring at the soda machine. Hmm, only guy in, in, the, in the gas station. So I walk over to him. Well, the soda machine happened to be down, and they were fixing it. And I said, hey, I said, hey buddy, this is going to be kind of a, a weird question, but did you happen to just come out of the men's bathroom? <laughs> he, says, he says, why should I not have? <laughs> so we, we kind of chuckle at this, right? We chuckle at this. We get to talk, and he asks me a few questions. He puts two and two together, figures out I'm, I'm kind of new to the area, asks me what brought me out here, and I tell him, I'm a pastor of a church. Without missing a beat, he says, what do you mean, a church? And I, I said, well, you know, a Christian, non-denominational church, yada, yada, yada. Okay, so we're chatting. With that, his eyes begin to well up with some tears. He looks at me and he says, do you even know why you're talking to me right now? And that moment I knew for sure why I was talking to him. I said, I said, I know this. I believe in the providence and sovereignty of Almighty God. He began to share with me, been going through a few hard things, 
been searching. And he looks at me and says, hey, you know what? Can I take you to lunch? I said, absolutely. So we did. We went to lunch. I got to share my story. I got to share the gospel. And you know what? I had nothing to do with it. Again, I was just, God was just answering that prayer that I would be willing and available. Now, I want to encourage you to pray the same type of prayer and have the same kind of attitude, but I'm not going to guarantee you that you get 20 bucks and a free lunch out of it. Okay? When we step out in this way to share Christ, there will be sacrifice. It won't be comfortable. There will be loss. There will be rejection from friends and family members, coworkers, and even other Christians when you step out boldly to proclaim the gospel and identify yourself with the truth of God's word because, you know, you might be breaking the curve. We have been sent as sheep among wolves. But fear not, we have a loving and strong shepherd in Jesus Christ. So, we keep our eyes on our Lord and Savior. We sacrifice for the greater joy set before us for this value. We give up things we love for things we love more, just like our Savior did for us. All right, now here at Alpine, and the final slide I have for you as we wrap up here. Everything we do in ministry is to advance our mission to help people pursue God, okay? And this graphic here on the right really illustrates that. We start with trusting Jesus. We're resolved to live our lives to honor God. That doesn't mean we're perfect by any means, but it means that we're trusting in Jesus to make that next faithful step in our lives to do the right thing. And then we step out in faith to help someone else who's done the same thing with us make disciples. If you want to learn more about that, we encourage you to go on our website, check out our PursueGod.org resource. You can learn about how that works. If you want to be a mentor, we call that mentoring here. It's... it's uh, mentoring is interchangeable with disciple-making. You know, if you want to do that, if you're interested in being a disciple-maker or being discipled, go on our website, let us know, okay? Uh, talk to me, um, and then trust in the, the power and the provision and the presence of God to carry you through it.